Thanks, Pastor Jamie. Good morning. Word on my reading, honey. Just wait for it. Wait, wait for, for it. it. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. Okay, I'm going to do something new. So, because we're going to read scripture. Uh oh, my husband just said, uh oh. Can you guys stand while I read scripture? Let's just stand for the wording of, or the wording, the reading. Mommy needs more coffee. Sorry. Okay. Um, this is Psalm 118, verses 25 through 29. Uh, this is the King James version, version. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath oh, showed us light. <laughs> Shoot us light. <laughs> Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. All right, stay, stay standing while we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your good word. And um, Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for the message that we're about to receive from Pastor Josh. God, we pray that our hearts would be um, fertile soil, God, and that the seeds Pastor Josh speaks um, the, through his message, God, that would, would find a target in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Pastor Josh. Here's my, here's my handsome husband. <laughs> oh, boy. Almost got away with it, huh? Good morning, everybody. All right. Hey, I got a little prize, just as promised. So if I could have the ushers come up to the front and pass out your prizes. Uh, this is our last day of our, of our Navigating the Future series, and so uh, I have a, go ahead and pass them out. Uh, I have a navigation button for you, so it's, it's, I think it's cool. Uh, I have been giving these out for a couple of weeks now, and uh, this is a gift to you, but I want to encourage you to give it away. So let's say you, you're, you're meeting somebody, or you just, I don't know, your checkout gal, or you know, your mechanic or somebody, and they're frustrated, you know, they're, they're confused about where they're going, or they're confused about a relationship, you can give them your navigation button, and you just say, look, here's a navigation button, it's going to help you get through it. Or if you want to get religious, you can say, you know what, this will help you to remind you that God has a plan for your future. And uh, I've been giving them away, and I've been I've had, it's really cool. I've had a lot of really great experiences in just giving them away. Sometimes I talk about God and sometimes I don't. I gave one away yesterday um, at the, I was playing racquetball and, and it's, uh, this guy just kind of went, he just kind of started sharing his entire life. And I'm like, look, dude, I'm not on the clock. I'm here to play racquetball. Um, I don't, <laughs> it's like, How'd you know I was a pastor anyway? Um, so I, I gave him my navigation button. And he's like, this is the coolest thing in the world. So I'm going to pin it to my Bible. And then I gave one to a gal that works in a, a very high-end beverage shop and uh, a coffee shop. And um, <laughs> I know, I said that first service too. I don't know if people understood what I was saying, but it was, it was a really fancy coffee shop. And um, she was 
freaking out because she couldn't get her POS system working, so she couldn't ring me out, and so she started freaking out. She's like, I have no idea. I'm so sorry, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't understand this machine. I don't know what I'm doing, and, uh, and I said, look, I got something for you. I'm going to give you a navigation button, and it's going to help you get through this, and everything changed. She, was, she, she calmed down, and she, she was able to ring me up, and then she pinned her navigation button onto her apron, so it's just fun. You know, I got to bless somebody, no strings attached, and it was just a lot of fun. So if you give your pin away, and if you want another one, I'll give you another one, all right? So that you can always have one. So, anyway, All right, uh, so we're in this series. This is the last one on navigating your future. And today, if you're, like, new to the church or if you want to know about the church, maybe you've been coming here in your entire life and you still don't understand what we do, um, this... This whole series explains the whole thing. So, you know, we've talked about our vision, where we're headed. Uh, we've talked about our mission, what we do. Uh, we've talked about our convictions and our core theology and our values. Uh, those are all in the past three and four weeks. And today, we're going to be talking about what makes Granite Creek Granite Creek. Now, all churches ought to share similar theological points. Like all churches, if they're worth their salt, they all ought to be doing the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, because that's what Jesus said to do. So all churches ought, ought to be doing that. Any church that is the church of Jesus Christ ought to believe in the death, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus. That ought to be core to the theology. So those things are all the same. And all churches um, focus on different types of things, right? So we, we will emphasize different parts, while other churches emphasize different parts, but we're all part of the, the, the body of Christ, those that believe, you know, the same things that we believe uh, in those big macro bubble areas. Now, a church family is like any other family, and they're unique. So this church is unique. I don't know if you've picked up on that, but we're, we're a little different. And so I want to talk about uh, the things that make Granite Creek unique, that make them different than you know, all the other churches that are Bible-believing, faith-based, Jesus-centered churches. And uh, these are cultural things, the culture of our church. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not theology, theology but it's just the things that make us who we are. And uh, I, I want to I talk about them. I want to talk about the uniqueness of Granite Creek, and then I want to talk about the uniqueness of your, of your favorite subject, which is you. So I want to talk about you a little bit, and, and, and your unique you. So, what makes Granite Creek, Granite Creek? Now, uh, okay, again, theology aside, there are certain things that we like to do that kind of, I don't know, that kind of make us who we are. One of them is humor. Like, we like to tell good jokes. We even like to tell bad jokes. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, you know, church, the sacraments are sacred to me, right? Communion baptism, marriage, all the sacraments are holy and they're sacred and we take them very seriously. Um, but just because we take those seriously doesn't mean that we can't have fun in church. Doesn't mean that we can't tell a good joke every once in a while and you know, hopefully you're not telling bad, you know, dirty jokes. You just, you got to do those at home or at work or whatever. But um, you just, don't, or just don't tell them. Yeah, I know. But, you know what? Church was not meant to be boring. And, you know, sometimes when we 
we come into the Christian faith or we begin to take our faith seriously, for some reason we think that we have to be solemn and, so, you know, and, and sober and, and, and stern all the time, and that, that the Christian faith is not one of fun or one of humor or whatever. That could be furthest from the truth. The most serious man on the planet, the most sober-minded man on the planet, Jesus, had a sense of humor. He doesn't always translate for us, but he told a lot of jokes. We don't get them. It's like hearing pastor's jokes. We don't get them. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny, huh? I, was, I know. I like them. I get them. But anyway... Um, but Jesus had an incredible sense of humor. And so, the, so fun in church uh, theologically translates into something called joy. And joy needs to be an expression of your worship. I don't want to say every single Sunday, because sometimes, you know, when you, when you buried as many people as we buried last year, uh, it's kind of, you're, you're, you're wearing, you know, sackcloth and ashes, right? So it's kind of hard to have joy in those situations. You know, there's that peace. There's that smile during hard times. But, uh, you know, there, there's seasons. There's seasons for mourning, and there's seasons for joy. And God doesn't call us to be blue, depressed, uh, boring, angry Christians. He doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to have this life that comes from within, that bubbles up, and there's joy, and you can tell a joke and laugh, or you can tell a joke and roll your eyes. I mean, it's just, God just wants us to enjoy life. And so, and humor is a big part of it. And so, yeah, we, we have a really off sense of humor sometimes. Um, so just bear with us, right? Just hang on, and maybe you'll get the joke someday, and maybe not. But, uh, so, but yeah, jo- that, it's good to tell a good joke. Another thing that's a little odd about our church is that we like animals. Like we, every, we're just like an animal church. We, everybody has a pet. It seems like everybody has a pet in our church. And if you don't have a pet, you can still come here. That's okay. But like we just love God's creation. We love animals. I have two dogs, two cats, a guinea pig, a fish. That's enough. But they would probably keep on coming in if I didn't you know, put the brakes on. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but we just love our animals. Uh, on our fall into fun celebration, we bring in the petting zoo because we want our kids to, to play with cool animals. Uh, our living nativity, we, we bring in the exotic animals. We have a camel. Abu was, uh, we, Abu was, this was his very first performance as a baby camel. And he, every, every Christmas time, when he comes in, he recognizes some of our staff and, our, and pastor. And isn't that cool? I mean, that we have a connection with a camel, and he, you know, he's part of our family. Um, now, if you ever visit the church office during the week, you just might run into a dog. It could happen. Now, we just, you know, we just, I don't know, we let people bring their dogs to work every once in a while. Is it professional? No. And so when I took the leadership of the church, I'm like, all right, you know, should I be a good leader and put my foot down on this? No more, no more dogs in the office. And like, nah, nah. Yeah, so, so you might see a dog if you come into church. Yeah, it's a little odd, but we get our work done, right? That's what matters. We get our work done. Our bookkeeper, our, our previous bookkeeper, Maria Kumlander, 
She's our photographer. So if you ever see a big giant lens in your face, that's Maria. So, um, but you know, she's, she's always shooting. But she used to be our bookkeeper, and she was always rescuing animals. And I mean, she she rescued dogs. She rescued possums, squirrels, uh, birds, uh, hummingbirds. And, and she would always nurse them in the office, and we would let her do this. And um, I was doing some pretty, you know, pretty important business in the church, and I had to bring the guy, uh, this agent, into the office so Maria could bring up some of the financials. And, uh, and he did a double take. He did one of these. And uh, she, Maria had two baby squirrels that she was nursing back to life. And I said, yeah, yeah, those are, those are what you think they are. <laughs> those, are those are squirrels. And he said, he said, I have been doing this for 30 years. And in my entire life, I have never seen baby squirrels or an animal in the bookkeeper's office. You guys are a little odd. I'm like, well, that's, that's us. So, yeah, Fall of the Fun's coming up in October. Dress up your pets. It will be fun. It's a, it's a competition. Um, okay, we like the arts here, too. We're, we are a creative bunch, and if you have a creative thought or a stream, and if you like, we want to do something creative in the church, and if it's not lame, we'll pour gasoline on it. We just want you, you, know, we just want you to do it. And um, uh, we, just, we, we love the arts, all of the arts, music, uh, visual arts. We'd like to see more of it in our church. We believe that it ought to be a part of church culture. And... Um, you know what, sometimes, you know, we come to church and we feel like we always have to talk about Scripture, or we always have to talk about what God's doing. I mean, that's important too, of course. Um, We have to talk about, you know, spiritual things. It's okay to talk about the movie that you saw the, the previous night when you come to church. You can talk about Frozen again and again, and you can, you you could sing that song over and over again in your head and drive you nuts. But it's okay to talk about what brings you joy in life. Whether it's going to a museum and, and seeing some great art or you know, he, you know, seeing a really great movie and you just want to talk about it. Um, or going to a concert that really moved you. Talk about that in church. It's okay. Uh, but these are the things that you know, we value. And if, again, if somebody has this really creative, bright idea you know what? At sometimes, most times, God's in that idea. See, God is a creator. That He's created from the very beginning. He's still creating now. And the thing about us, that makes us unique humans, is that we are created in His image. And so we are creators. I don't care how boring you think you are, you are a creator. Uh, you know what? I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't sing. I, I can't even clap in tune at church. I if you watch me, you'll see. It's like, you know, it's really bad. But I, 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 I like to create things. Sometimes I create messes for my wife. And, but, but that's just how God's made us. And so we want to encourage your creativity, no matter, you know, whatever it might be. So arts are important for our church. Um, Education is important. I'm a life learner. If I could, I'd go back to college and spend my entire life there. I just loved, I love to learn, and uh, we want to encourage you to continue to be life learners as well. That's why we, you know, we teach as much as we possibly can. And 
uh, what's amazing about children's ministries is they teach up there. They teach the Bible. And your kids are getting a Christian education whether you realize it or not. And we don't... It's important that we're able to give a defense for our faith, to talk intelligibly about our faith. Uh, we don't want to create an environment where we just where we make Christians that don't think. Uh, it's, not, it's not safe. Um, I'm a big faith guy, right? Yeah, I think you know that about me by now. But I don't like it when people say, you know what, I really don't have an answer for that. I'm just going to believe. Um, I would rather people say, you know what, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm going to dig in, I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to see if I can give you uh, if, I can, if we can reason together, if we can talk things out. And we want your kids to be able to do the same. It, it, it's key. It's vital. The, the major demographic in our church, like if we were to, to pull all the careers together, uh, the majority uh, career is, is education. We have school teachers. We have support staff. We have people in administration. Uh, we have professors. That's, our, that's the biggest pull in our church. So culturally, that's, that's where we... That's where we thrive as, as a church. And so, again, I might, I'm never going to be able to go back to college, I don't think. But I always self-teach myself. And we want you to do the same. Uh, you can listen to us teach. You can listen to us preach. But we, you need to be able to think for yourself, to be able to reason for yourself. And this is what we want to encourage you to do and your kids to do. Okay. Um, we like nature. That's why we do family camp. Uh, we, this is why we do the, the March 4th hike. Uh, God communicates to us non-verbally through nature. And sometimes the best spiritual practice you can do is just to get up into the mountains or get on that trail, breathe, breathe some of that fresh air and some sage and, and, and hear the creek running and listen to God communicate to you through nature. It's important. We try to reflect that in our grounds. We, you know, we try to take care of the grounds the best we can. There might be some changes coming up because we have a, the water bill is going to be going up this summer dramatically. So we're going to try to do some drought-tolerant stuff with the campus coming up. But, uh, I mean, nature is so important. It's important for your kids, and this is something that, that we like to do as a church family. This is why we go, this is why we go camping. And so I want to encourage you guys, you know, uh, be a part of that. Um, Mm-mm-mm. Okay, and we like to party. You know what? Uh, celebrating uh, festivals is not only a part of the New Testament church, it's part of the Old Testament church. They're always throwing a party for something. And it, it's not wrong. It, it's not wrong to celebrate. It's not wrong to have a party. And so that gets expressed in our church a lot. Uh, we have, I think the next one is Memorial Day is it Memorial Day? What's the next one? Yeah. Memorial Day. We're going to be playing softball at the park. So if you, want to, if you want to hang out and barbecue and have fun, play some games, play some softball, see Joe Robles, and it's, we're just going to have fun together. If you want to have a mini Bible study in the parking lot, you can do that too. But we're going to play some softball. We're going to have a party. Uh, we also, again, uh, Easter is a celebration. It's a festival. You know, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to have an amazing service. The arts will be expressed. We're going, to have, we're going to have a drama. We're going to have great music. It's going to be an incredible time. And then we're going to release the kids out to 
scoop up Easter eggs. It's fun. It's a party. My daughter gets to get dressed up in a cute little dress, and your sons, you know, maybe put on a cute little bow tie and a vest, and it's a lot of fun. Every year, I shouldn't say every year, but almost every year, we always get a letter that says, you know what, you're just literally not a Bible-believing church because you're having your kids do an Easter egg hunt, and that's a pagan holiday. That's a pagan ritual. And my response to that is, I know. <laughs> I actually, okay, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, they're all pagan holidays. I connected the dots in high school. It's not that hard to figure out. It's not a major revelation from God. I don't care. I like to see our kids having fun. I like to see the celebration of life. And if you want to take it to, if you really want to flesh it out, uh, spring and the harvest festival, the summer equinox, the winter equinox, uh, the pagans didn't create those days. God did. They belong to him. And the vision of our church, what's the vision of our church? Can you guys remember it by now? Yeah. To see families and culture transformed by heaven. And so when we get a hold of something that, that I don't know, maybe it's confusing, Easter eggs, pagan ritual. Uh, okay, you ready for this one? Christmas trees. It's also a pagan symbol. What Jesus wants is he wants Christians, us, to go in and transform culture. That day, the equinox is ours, and we're taking it back. You, the world has taken a holiday, a special day, an astronomical day that has significance, and it's, it's twisted it and it's perverted it. And it's our job to go in and take it back, to transform culture. You could see the same thing about your workplace. Your workplace might be an ungodly place, but guess who created finance? God did. Man warps it. So, to transform culture, to transform business, you are to go into that environment and take it over. It belongs to God. Halloween is the same way. See, Halloween is actually one of my favorite celebrations at Granite Creek. I love it. I love you know, you guys dressing up your dogs and your kids and, and the band and the candy and all that stuff. It's, it's one of my favorite. But when I was a kid, I wouldn't go to school on Halloween because it freaked me out so much with all the scary costumes. And God says, it is the church's responsibility to redeem the harvest. It belongs to me. They took it and they warped it. And Halloween was a religious holiday. We, we've twisted it. So, if people get religious about those types of things and saying, you guys are starting a true church because you hunt Easter eggs on Easter, probably not a good church for you, because <laughs> I'm not going to bend on that one, because I know, look, it makes me happy to see kids joyfully gathering Easter eggs, 
And you know what else it makes happy? Jesus. I guarantee it. I guarantee it, Jesus is happy. If I'm wrong, me and the big guy will work it out later. You know? I will stand corrected, but I'm almost positive whenever our kids are enjoying themselves in God's house, I think that makes Jesus happy. All right. All right, let's change, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk about your favorite subject, which is you. What makes you uniquely you? So we have, we have Granite Creek that's got these, you know, little quirky, unique things that makes us, you know, a little bit different than everybody else. But you are different than everybody else, too. And if you are striving and working and, and, and so obsessed about being somebody else, um, I, don't. Stop it. Because God has designed you to be uniquely you. And we have to, we have to desire this. We have to flesh this out. And, and His plan for your life is even better than your plan for your life. It's Palm Sunday today. I guess I should like read some scripture, right? I'll get there. It's Palm Sunday. And uh, the, the setup to Palm Sunday is that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. He like performed one of the big miracles. Lazarus was stinking in the grave for three days, and he rose him from the dead. Everybody was freaking out. And they, this group uh, from Lazarus' town, they followed Jesus to Jerusalem and this is where all the energy was coming from. This is where all the excitement was coming from. Because uh, this miracle, this expression of the kingdom of heaven on earth, where a body was raised from the dead, that kingdom experience led those people to their Savior, which was Jesus. And they began to understand who he was, but they didn't completely get it. They didn't. They, they, had a, they had an idea who Jesus was, but they didn't know who he truly was, and they didn't know where he was going. They didn't realize he was going to go to the cross. They thought that he was going to defeat the Romans. They didn't know where he was going, and they truly didn't know who they were, and they didn't know where they were going. And this all unfolds. So if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Verse 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd had come from the feast, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. All right, we'll stop there for a second. Hosanna. You know what it translates to? Mako read it this morning in Psalms 118. Uh, Hosanna literally translates into pray, save us now. Pray, save us now. And then another way to, that, they, that it gets translated is to save us and give us victory. And what, what Mako read of the King James Save us and give us prosperity. So this is the prayer of the people. This is the prayer of the people that followed the miracle to their Savior, who they thought that was going to overthrow the government. They were praying for victory. They were praying for prosperity. They were, they were praying to be liberated from oppression. 
This was their plea. And when Jesus, well, let's continue to read. Uh, Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughters of Zion, for your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Uh, That's a quote from uh, Zephaniah. Not Zephaniah. Yeah, Zephaniah. Let me double check. Never mind. I'll look at it later. It's one of those books that start with Z. Um, At first, his disciples did not understand this because, I don't know, they didn't value education. They had no idea what was going on. They didn't make the scripture reference. Hmm? Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that the things that he had been written about and that they had done uh, these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard uh, that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So they're, the, the city's in a frenzy. Jesus is coming in. And the palms, uh, if you've caught it when Mako was reading the Psalms, the, they, they were using the palms too. And this was for David, and this is for the Jewish kings, and it probably happened with the Maccabees. It was a military triumph. So, th- so think of Caesar and Rome, and, and he's just defeated the Gauls, and he's coming into Rome on his military triumph, and he's got the garlands, or, and everybody's throwing garlands at him and things like that. Well, the Jewish people had the same type of celebration, yet they did it with palm trees, palm branches. So this is a military victory. This is a military triumph. That It's, it's really amazing, and it's really cool. And it's freaking the religious leaders out because these people are buying in. They're excited. They're, they're really excited. And in the other Gospels, uh, the Jewish people get a hold of Jesus, and they said, you need to get your disciples to calm down. You need to quit telling them to say, quit telling them to say Hosanna. They need, to quit, they need to shut up and not say, you know, save us and give us victory. And, and Jesus replies, and he says, okay, if I even tell them to stop talking, the rocks are going to shout Hosanna. It's amazing. And so, what's the point of this whole victory? And why is, it, why is it significant that there's a donkey here? No one else would do this. No other leader would do this. Caesar would not come in on a donkey. Uh, Attila the Hun wouldn't come in on a donkey. Patton wouldn't come in on a donkey. He's going to come in on a tank. It is the greatest irony of all history to have a military triumph, and you, and you come in on a beast of burden. You come, on, you come in on, a, on an animal that symbolizes being a servant, that symbolizes being a slave. It didn't make any sense. And I, I, you know, in my imagination, I see Jesus coming into the city on this donkey, and all of the people are like, they like do a double take, Right? That doesn't make sense. This is, re- this, is, this is really ironic that our king is coming in on a beast of burden. It doesn't make sense. But here's the interesting thing about this whole story. They got it. Like there was something deep down inside of them where a king coming in on a beast of burden made, 
made sense to their spirit. Not to their logic, but made sense to their spirit. And they responded in kind. They didn't understand who Jesus truly was. They didn't understand where he was going. But this concept and this idea of a king that serves, it made complete sense. And you know what? It makes sense to you too. Because that's, all what, that's what we deep down desire. That's what our psyche desires, is that we want, we want a good king. For all of you poli-sci majors that study politics, what's the best form of government? It's the benevolent dictator. It's the, it's the king that has complete control, yet he's good. This is what we truly want. Our wonderful republic, this democracy that we call United States of America, it's as good as it gets, I think. I think we've got it as good as it would possibly get, but it's not biblical. A monarchy is biblical. Jesus never asked the disciples to vote on anything, did he? They had to serve their king. They had to serve their master. And so it's actually illegal, even though this is the best form of government us fallen humans could probably come up with, it's actually illegal for us to take that into our spirituality. It doesn't fit because we have to be servants in God's kingdom. But, okay, again, back to this king-servant idea. Um, good King Arthur, right? We kind of put that on him. Um, Charlemagne, we did it to Charlemagne. We thought Charlemagne was a good benevolent dictator. Uh, we thought uh, uh, Richard the Lionheart was like that too. You know, he was a, he was a good leader and he had a good lion heart, right? It couldn't be furthest from the truth. This idealized version of a king that is good doesn't exist. And it never has. Okay, think about Lord of the Rings. Think about Aragorn. That's what we want. We want Aragorn. We want the king that, that fights evil that gets the flash of anger in his eyes when he sees injustice, and he goes in and he takes care of business on his white horse, and then he heals, and then he's kind, and then he's good. This is what makes sense to our soul, and this is what we really want. And this is why the people were able to shout Hosanna when they saw history's great irony. So as he goes in, Jesus is saying to us, you are unique. You don't know who I am yet. You don't have a true understanding of who I am. You can't even really hear my voice. And you don't really know who you are either. Let's continue reading. Uh, we'll go to... Chapter 12, we're going to skip to verse 25. Okay, you ready for this? This is going to be uncomfortable. So just, just hang on. Jesus says at this point, The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Well, he's talking about the cross here, folks. He knows he's going to hang on the cross. No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The glory. The Father glorifying Jesus means that he faces the cross. means that the servant has to die. Okay, catch this. This is amazing. And this is only in the Gospel of John. The other four Gospels don't, don't include this. I don't know why. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So he's saying, God's speaking in an audible voice. It's kind of like the baptism, where God tears open heaven, and everybody can hear. Okay, catch this. Everybody can hear God's audible voice. I have glorified him. I'm going to glorify him again. He's going to die, and I'm going to resurrect him into new life. The crowd there, uh, the crowd that was there, they heard it and said it thundered, and others said an angel had spoken. Okay, this is to back up the fact that they didn't know who Jesus is. For some reason, they were able to connect with this idea of Messiah, of a, of, of a king, that he's going to come in and overthrow the government. So they were, they were connecting with this truth about who Jesus is, but they didn't know Jesus well because they couldn't hear God's voice. For some, they heard, they heard it. He's going to glorify Jesus again. Some people got it. Other people, they heard thunder. It's like this divine voice was speaking, but they weren't spiritually tuned up to hear God's voice, and it sounded like thunder to them. And others, maybe they were a little more spiritually advanced or whatever, but it's like, that sounds really weird. That doesn't sound like I think that God would sound like, so it must be an angel's voice. They didn't really know Jesus, because what does Jesus say? If you know me, you're going to know my Father. If you really understand my voice, you're going, to be, you're going to have the capability to hear God's voice. So many times when we meet with people, they're like, you know what, I think I heard God, but I'm not quite sure. Do you know Jesus? You need to focus up on your, on your relationship with Christ. If you're hearing something or if you're getting an impression and it doesn't make sense, it doesn't, we don't have to live like that. We just need to know our Savior. Our, the, the miraculous ought to lead us to our Savior. All right. Jesus then says, The voice was for your benefit and not mine. All right. Then let's skip to verse 35. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. If you don't know where you're going in your life, do you not know where you're going? Do you not know what you're up to? Things aren't lining up? says that you're not in the light. The man who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. Put your trust 
in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons, I'm going to add daughters, of light. This is our true identity. All right, and this is where it gets difficult. Because you are uniquely you, and you have all these incredible gifts and these ideas and these dreams. And what does Jesus say? He says, if you love this life, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it to heaven. But if you despise your life in this world, I'll make the connection there, if you despise your life in this world, then you can be redeemed. What's he really saying? He's saying you have to die. Like you have to die to self and all of yourself. And this, again, this is very difficult, especially, okay, you know people that are great, awesome people, and they're unique, and they're gifted, and they're nice, but they don't know Jesus. If someday they get introduced to Jesus, if someday they decide, I'm going to take a step across that line of faith, I want more, all of those good things and the bad things will have to die. See, all the self-help books, you know, if you can dream it, you can become it, you know, you just... You know, you, you focus on what you want and you can achieve it. When you make Jesus your king, you can't have those things anymore. When you make Jesus your king, you have to say, okay, I'm going to give all the good things about me away and I'm going to give all the bad things. I'm going to give my entire self and I'm going to die to self. Why? Why? In order for us to make Jesus our king, we have to realize that we were bought at a price. That's the contract. We were bought at a price. He died for our sins. It's a transaction. For us to quit entertaining the idea of Jesus or searching the teachings of Jesus or to uh, quit dating Jesus. A lot of us just date Jesus, and a lot of us aren't married to Jesus. And we just, when we decide to go all in, that means everything that, that brings us joy, everything that, that we think that we hold dear to our lives, we have to give it to him, completely sacrifice it unconditionally. Now, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. Once we can do that, what Jesus does and what God does and what the Holy Spirit does is they take our lives and they filter it. It calls the refiner's fire and it burns off all the impurities. And those good things that bring you joy in life, like, I don't know, animals, like hugging trees and staring at, you know, staring at stars and, and the arts and things like that, God will bring those back into your life. I'm not supposed to tell you that. But God will bring those things back into your life. And if you're a painter, you're going to paint better pictures. If you're a musician, you're going to sing better songs. If you're a writer, you're going to write better prose. It's because Jesus, his, his plan and his, his identity for you, his uniqueness for you is better than anything that you could possibly dream up. But you have to be able to give what you hold dear away. All of it. 
And, you know, I know in your mind you're thinking, okay, I can do this. I will, I will give it all away so I can get really cool stuff back. That's how we think. That's why I didn't want to tell you this. So you, you have to give it away unconditionally. Okay, I'm going to give my life away. Okay, emphasis on my. I'm going to give my life away so God will give me more cool stuff. I will get more toys. I will be a better, more creative person. I'm going to be awesome. All right. The same is true like for finances, right? Because if you read your Bible, and it is a truth, it is a biblical truth, okay, if I give, I'm going to get a hundredfold back. That's a really good return. That's better than my 401k. All right, God, here we go. Let's do it. I'm going to put my hundred bucks in the basket, and I'll be waiting at the mailbox, you know, every day this week, waiting for my return, my hundredfold, my sixtyfold, whatever it may be. The problem is, and it's it's in the my. I'm going to give my money, right? When you surrender your life to the servant king, it's no longer yours. It's no longer your money. It, it's his money. He's letting you use it. The same is true with your uniqueness and your gifts and your life. Once you sacrifice your life to Jesus, it's not my life. It's his life because he bought it. He bought it at the cross. It, it cost God his very own son to buy your life. And you are extremely expensive. And he's willing to pay everything to get you. So your life is no longer your life. Your life is his life. It, it belongs to the king. The reason why he came in on a donkey is because he's saying, look, in order, to, in order for me to be king of your life, you have to do what I do, and you have to become a servant. That's, that is the Christian life. It's for us to be a servant. Again, the great irony of history. Jesus rides in as a king on a donkey. Revelation paints it this way. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He is the warrior king, and he is the spotless sacrifice. He is royalty, and he's a servant. And that's what he wants for you. First, you have to become a servant. And then you begin to understand the priesthood of all believers. Then you begin to understand the royalty of all believers. Then you begin to completely transform your faith, your identity, your uniqueness, and you come to the realization that I am a son and a daughter. I am a child of light. And once you become a child of light, you'll know exactly where you're going. You'll know exactly who you are. You'll be able to hear the audible voice of God, and it's clear, and you're not confused. It's His desire for you. It requires sacrifice. It requires you to take your prayer, which is Hosanna, Save, pray, give me victory, give me prosperity. And to say, save, pray.
pray. May you have victory. May you have prosperity, King, servant King. It's for your glory. My life is for your glory. All right, I think I'm done. I can have the band and ushers come to the front. I think I got it all in. What do you think? It's in there right now. All right, let's pray. God, I pray that you, that your son will have a triumph in our hearts, that we will allow the servant king, the one that fiercely hates evil, when he sees it, his eyes light up and his, his sword is unleashed and he, he destroys all evil in our life. And I pray that that's, that king will be able to ride in. And we will see him for who he really is. We will recognize what he does. And I pray that we will also see the lamb as he rides in in triumph in our heart. That he wasn't after the temporal Roman government. He was after sin and death itself. And the only way that he could get sin and death itself is to face the cross. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for that. May we have the courage to find our unique selves in your light. To find who we really are. Light up our life, Jesus. Light up our lives. Bless this offering. Pray that you bless this church. Encourage them. Draw them closer to you. Give them victory. Give them prosperity. We love you.